Boom, put boom, boom, side, B side, what side are you on? Well, hello, and welcome back to another episode of A side, B side podcast. What's going on, Adam? I am well, Brooke. How are you? I am much better than last week. I have more of a voice this week. Yeah, you you do not do not seem like a frog has your larynx or your throat. <laughs> I am drinking some throat coat tea though, because of course, like if you heard the episode last week, I I was on the verge of losing it, had lost it by the end, got it back Friday, did some recording that I'll tell you about here in a second, and then it was like hit or miss all weekend, and so I'm just glad to uh, have it back. So when, when you were watching your favorite shows this week, are, are you continuing to watch Love is Blind? Oh, absolutely. How, how did you watch Love is Blind with not being able to yell at the TV? Oh, I still yelled. You might Better not have heard that. anything, <laughs> but I still yelled. And so the neighbors were like, well, this is so much calmer. Yeah, they're like, is she even watching the show this week? I don't know what's going on. Um, and so like last week we talked about how you have to kind of just look at it from a new lens and yeah. it is so drama i am here for it i still have not watched an episode i have plans to binge most of it on sunday with a friend so i am i've done my best to avoid these spoilers but even then you can't avoid the spoilers because it's I, everywhere i want you to text me after you binge and give me your thoughts like i need you to do this i'm gonna text you during I mean, okay. come on. Okay. That works for me. Like I have too many thoughts to wait to the end. That, <laughs> that's just like, that's a full screen of blue in one text. Well, and that's like kind of what my mom, you know, our executive producer, she did. She like started watching. And so she was like, okay, I just finished episode two. And it was like this full screen of text and just like <laughs> recapping it. And then she did it for the next one and the next one. And, but, and then I talked to her today and she's like, I'm trying not to binge them all, but and I'm like, uh-uh, just just do it. You might as well yeah. just do it. Well, that that's why I'm waiting because my friend and I who watched them uh, the first season via virtual because we were all like quarantined. We're like, okay, this new season's coming out. Let's just spend it, like, plan a day. We're just gonna watch it all, and it's. I think it's gonna be a little overwhelming. It's like I tried to watch uh, Game of Thrones seasons one and two in binge and blog about it. Ooh. before season three and i did not make it because there is a reason that those shows have a week in between episodes so you can process the emotions yeah and i'm worried that this is going to be kind of the same where i'm just going to just get overwhelmed because whether it's just the anger or the hate or the frustration or the confusion like it's going to be a lot i've already seen a lot of tweets that i've, I've tried not to look at but like yeah. people are highly invested oh in man season. like i you know the first episode or two i was like ugh, whatever and now i'm like uh bring it on and yeah. the one thing i did notice too and i think maybe and this isn't really a spoiler but and i think this is what helped it not feel so much like the first one is you don't see as much of nick and vanessa and i think it's like well you already know the deal so whatever yeah yeah, they don't, they don't have to, like, explain the whole thing. And also, Vanessa's got her own show going on right now, so she didn't have a lot of time to film. That's true. That's true. She was like, okay, I'm going to hop I mean, over here to Paradise for, like, 20 minutes, and then we got to go. Yeah, and Nick doesn't really have anything going on, so he's he's cool. 
Nick's like the stay at home dad. So he's I've, like, I've I gotta get home to the kids. <laughs> I mean, I'm just jealous because that was my dream job. So, <laughs> excuse me. So I mentioned just a second ago how I was recording something on Friday. What? What was this about? So I now have the okay to talk about something I have known for a while and it has driven me so crazy not to be able to talk about it, but I'm so thrilled that like I'm, I'm mind blown. I am still trying to soak it in and process that I am the voice over announcer for the 57th Academy of Country Music Awards. It is more than a dream come true. Uh, This is huge. And sitting on that information (laughs) was killing me. (laughs) And it's been, it's been a bit. It has been a bit. It's it's been, it's been a long time coming that, that you could talk about this and like I'm, I'm gonna be the guy that points out the obvious, but whenever you watch these giant shows and they come back from commercials, or they're like they're always somebody's voice who's ex- like welcoming you back and telling you what's happening next and coming up next here to present for this award. And honestly, I never thought about that as a thing before, and now I am super excited for like the commercial to end and Brooke's voice to happen. (laughs) Well, here's the really cool thing. So um, the ACMs are literally making history because they are the first ever award show to stream, to live stream on a streaming platform, which is Prime Video. And it is a two hour show, completely commercial free. Okay, so Adam pointing out that they're coming back from commercials is completely irrelevant at this well, point. Well, but I mean, that's the natural assumption because that's yeah. how shows typically go. But uh, the ACMs literally are, are, are making history. And then you've got the goddess. They're not going to have any Amazon Prime, I'm sorry, Prime Video shows, commercials. Uh, no, it, it is being pitched as completely commercial free. That's impressive. Maybe in the, like, the, in the stadium, there might be banners or something. Yeah. But the other thing is the goddess, the angel, the icon, Dolly Parton is the host. And then you have uh, new artist, male and female, uh, Jimmy Allen and Gabby Barrett co-hosting. This is so, amazing. I know you... I don't mean to like give away your location for any of our stalker fans, but I know you're going to the event. Yes. <laughs> yes. The event is going to be at, Le- at Allegiant stadium in Las Vegas. You can get your tickets on Ticketmaster. Um, and there will be a be link on our website show. for both the tickets and to watch it live. Yes. Cause you can get a free, like, I know you right there. You're saying like, Oh man, I'd like to, I like to watch this, but I don't have Prime videos. But it's okay. You can watch this with a free trial. Well, and here's the this is what is blowing my mind because it is going to be 
live streamed, not just in the US, but in Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and the UK. You're worldwide now, like Miss Worldwide. <laughs> Step back, triple. Um, I'm not Mr. 305, I'm Mrs. 402 <laughs> or Miss 402. <laughs> so I, you're going, you're going to yes, be there, and there's there. no guarantee where you're going to be. But if you got to meet one person, who would you want to meet? Absolutely, Dolly Parton. Yeah, Dolly Parton, without question. Or, uh, or, 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 or I think okay. That would be cool. Okay, small question. Small question. Chris Stapleton. All right. Yeah, if I couldn't meet Dolly, and they were like, "Well, we can't let you meet Dolly, but you can pick anybody else," I'd be like Chris Stapleton. Well, I feel like like you're all going to be in like the the important people room area. <laughs> so like if when you meet them it's just going to be like you're both going to the water cooler or like going to the mini fridge for like a, a snack or something so like i think it's gonna be very natural miss Martin, can i get you a cup of tea like you'll you'll, you'll you'll both be going for like this snickers bar and be like no no, no it's yours it's cool. <laughs> oh but to say that i am excited is an understatement and I, I am just, like I said, it's a very surreal feeling at the moment. And, uh, and I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be a little brother on this, but uh, you earned every second of this. This was not a quick process. You had to go through a lot of steps and you earned every second of the way. And you deserve to be extraordinarily happy about it. And I, as fake little brother i'm going to take a little credit for being super excited as well so. <laughs> well thank you thank you little brother oh man also like a uh, potential uh press agent when you need one soon i'm just saying <laughs> the background in the d- director of digital marketing it's just you know i will say my company has been extremely wonderful uh throughout this whole process because i did keep especially my direct supervisors um, informed of every step and, and they've been wonderful and extremely supportive and, 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 and that really does help. But yeah, I'm just, I'm super excited. And March 7th, Prime Video, or you can, like Adam said, the, the link for the Ticketmaster tickets will be on our website. Come join the party in person. Yeah, go to Vegas. Why not? I've never been for good, really good reason. I'm bad at this will be control. this will be my very first time in Vegas ever. Oh my goodness! Don't don't get married, broke or killed, <laughs> or bankrupt. Yeah, because those are those are the things that I think would happen to me if I was involved. So don't get don't get any of those things. Just have a really good time. Maybe have some shrimp. Oh, ooh, I I could do that. I like shrimp. Yeah, I hear the buffets are great. I'm I am totally down for a buffet. <laughs> Oh man. All right. So this is 82. Well, that means I'm first. It does mean you're first. All right. So in honor of Brooks big news today, I have focused the A side for today, which as it's a even number, I'm going first on country music movies. 
but this is an area that I do not have a lot of experience in. Uh, it's weird because I was born just 30 miles outside of where Brooke now resides in Lincoln, Nebraska. I was born in Seward, a little tiny town, and I left when I was seven. But I wondered if I'd stayed, if I would have become a country music fan or if grunge would have just taken me over as it did in Minnesota. I have never been a big country music fan ever, but one of the (laughs) best concerts I've ever gone to was Garth Brooks. My folks went and I and my brother uh, as a family unit went to Garth Brooks about four or five years ago when they were here in the Twin Cities, when he was doing like four concerts a day uh, in one location. And it was a very enjoyable experience, but country music... Even if you aren't a country music fan, Garth Brooks just puts on a show. Yeah, it was it was a exceptional concert and super well staged. And like you're in an arena and arena shows can be problematic because you have so many sidelines and you have to you either have a show that like decides that they're going to address that everyone is kind of surrounding and like acknowledge that. Or do you have the show that's just like, oh, no, we're just going to do the same show we would do in like a tiny proscenium theater. And it feels weird. Uh, And clearly, Garth knows what he's doing. And and it was a it was a very good show. Um, Also, the most. Economical and like affordable swag of any concert that I've ever been to. I got a hoodie for thirty five bucks. Wow. You, you can't get a hoodie for 35 bucks at Target right now. Yeah, seriously. Let alone like a licensed, like, and I've worked shows at the, it was, it was at the Target Center in Minneapolis. And I worked as a, an employee selling merch there for Metallica, Bieber, uh, Backstreet Boys, and NSYNC. Uh, and you couldn't get a hoodie there for less than 90 and at the same time, you're getting a hoodie for 35 bucks from Garth. Like he clearly is not making money on the merch, which was uh, really nice. It was still quality stuff too. So really cool. Uh, but long story short, I am not a huge country music fan, but I feel it is only appropriate for today's A side to be about country music movies. And it would be super easy and I probably should have gone this route to just talk about movies like walk the line or even the centrical walk hard or any of the four, a star is born and argue which one is the best. But when I started diving into this topic, I was like, wow, there are a lot of country music movies slash biopics that I have a never heard of actively avoided or didn't even think of as a country music movie that should be acknowledged. So today we are going to go through a few movies that either I never saw, never heard of, or actively avoided, and why you should probably watch them and why I should watch them as well. So in honor of one of my best friends since I was in fourth grade, who had a t-shirt that I remember of Garth Brooks that he wore all the time. And he was a big country music fan. His family was as well. And he told me about this movie 
when we were in middle school and I did not watch it when we were in middle school. I did not watch it when we were in high school. I did not watch it when we were in college. I have never watched it to this day. And Roger, I apologize <laughs> because it sounds like something I should probably have watched way long ago. This movie that came out in 1992 called Pure Country. And it stars George Strait, who, to my understanding, was Roger and his family, one of their favorite country music stars. I did not know a lot about George Strait at all, and so I was not interested. But in 1992, he played, in his only acting role, he is a pure country musician, he played one movie. His character was named Dusty Wyatt. And Dusty Wyatt was one of the biggest country singers in the world with everything you could want for in life, fame, fortune, sold out arena shows, and all that. But he burns out. And he grows disillusioned with his life. And what I did not realize at the time, but one of the things that every review of this movie points out is that George Strait had short hair, clean cut, mm-hmm. very much you know, Southern gentleman. In the movie, he has a five o'clock shadow and a very awkward like ponytail when he is playing the rock star. So when he decides to stop being a rock star, he cuts the ponytail off and shaves and it becomes much more the George Strait that everyone is used to seeing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he quits his life and he goes to a small uh, Texas town. He actually hitchhikes back to, to Texas, which... On the A-Side, B-Side podcast, we know that hitchhiking is not a good idea. Very bad. Yeah, evidently, Very bad. Unless, unless you are a country music star. Uh, he uh, signs up as a farmhand and just works with horses, falls in love with a rancher's daughter, and says things like, sometimes I feel like a dancing chicken. <laughs> what? That, that's, that's a direct quote from the movie. He evidently falls back in love with the idea of love and country music and returns to his roots as a singer by the end. And he's pulled back into the hectic nature of the music industry. Uh, but this time along with a better foundation, which is the uh, farmer's daughter he fell in love with. Okay. So that is pure country. 1992 uh, It is available on Amazon and pretty much nowhere else. But since I feel like this podcast is now sponsored by Amazon prime, it's cool. Prime video. Prime video. I'm sorry. Uh, another one that I have never seen. And I will say like this one, I don't feel so bad about because I was two years old. So uh, it's really on my parents for not taking me to the movie theater to see this movie when I was two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in 1983, there was a movie called Tender Mercies, which follows a washed up singer named Mark Sledge, played by Robert Duvall, as he tries to make sense of decisions that led him to waking up in a motel with no money to his name. I mean, as a country song goes, it's not a bad opening, but it's not the worst. Right. He's given the opportunity to make some cash, which means he falls in love with the motel's owner. So also, I have never woken up in a hotel unable to pay, but I do not feel like the option for me to sing songs would be available. (laughs) You are a great singer. Right. Hey, but also, like, I don't think they'd be like, oh, you can't pay. Would you like to sing for your room? I was like, I don't think that's that's going to be a thing. And well, it would just be show two. If they had like a lounge, you could sing. 
I could be a lounge. You're saying I'm a lounge singer. I'm actually, yeah, I am a lounge singer. No, but I was just saying if it's a hotel, they would have like a lounge. They're not going to have a Broadway show in the hotel, would they? Oh, uh, that's true. No, uh, maybe. I mean, give, give, me, give me two days. <laughs> get abroad. So uh, this is actually a role that Robert Duvall won an Oscar for in 1984. Uh, he decides to change his life and pull himself out of the cycle of, and this is a direct quote from, a, from an article, a cycle of honky-tonk gigs, blackouts, and regrets. Or as Adam likes to call it, my 20s. <laughs> He ended up winning an Oscar for this uh, and it kind of feels like it's a classic country singer, you know, much what, you know, like classic country story. Uh, another one that I also did not see in the theater because my parents did not take me to it when I was one. Uh, it's from 1982 and Clint Eastwood has been in a lot of movies and he's directed a lot of movies, but I did not know that he directed himself in a movie about a depression era country singer named Red Stovall, as he set out to make himself a, a name at the grand old opera. The entire no, no, and the entire story is evidently loosely based off the real life story of Jimmy Rogers, uh, who is I've been explained is a country singer as well. Uh, it was widely regarded, and it was also country western icon Marty Robbins. Uh, only uh, the final final film appearance uh, because he was in it as a singer who helps Clint Eastwood record his album uh, and it was released uh, just two weeks before Marty Robbins passed away in December of 1982. Uh, Another country music movie that I actively avoided uh, was 2009's Crazy Heart. Uh, I love Jeff Bridges and I kind of wanted to see this one, but I, as an audience member, I'm sure she is a, is a wonderful person and there are many performances that she does a great job in, but I have not been a big fan of hers. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal was the love interest Mm. and it follows uh, Jeff Bridges who plays a country music lesson called black bad Blake who ends up just kind of burning all of his bridges in his life, ends up in a small town playing just in a bar. And suddenly this journalist shows up and they fall in love. And that brings him uh, back into, you know, the mainstream, not a big romance guy. And it felt a little bit too close to star is born. So I never saw it in the theaters. I, I got a little thrown off because we talked about, uh blind blake who was a blues musician who was a real blues musician just a couple weeks ago in the a-side when we were mentioning the jack reacher series the new reacher series where the opening episode he goes to that small town because it was one of the last places that blind blake actually played and i got totally thrown off because bad blake is a fictional character uh but it was based on a real person named ray bingham and uh his I think one of his band members wrote a book called The Weary Kind and made up the name Bad Blake. Whereas in the Reacher series, Blind Blake is a real person and uh, was an actual blues musician. 
So I get totally thrown off by that. But uh, I have still not seen it. Don't love Maggie Gyllenhaal. So I probably will. But it is also available on Prime Video. There is a obligatory print reference because I am from Minnesota. So when I'm talking about any musical movies, I have to reference Purple Rain as just a point of contact. Uh, because if I don't, uh, people will come and find me. And there is a movie called Honeysuckle Rose, which is described as the purple rain of the country music world. Willie Nelson plays Buck Bonham, which is a great movie name, who is more or less a less successful Willie Nelson. He's in love with he's in a love triangle with his wife and an aspiring young singer who happens to be the daughter of his guitar player. But we still like him because he's Willie Nelson. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know why this is called the Purple Rain of the Country Music World because I have not seen it. But at no point did anyone wash themselves in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. So I don't think it counts. Uh, well, it doesn't count. Doesn't count. Uh, another movie that has popped up on nearly every list of great country music movies that I have found in the last week that doesn't make any sense to me because to me it's about so much more than country music. But I guess it fits if you're trying to shoehorn it into the genre is Oh Brother, Where Out Thou? Which to me is a movie about so many other things other than country music. It's about a allegory for the Odyssey. It's about escaped convicts. It's about nonsense and a cyclops at one point. But they do record a very successful song, Man of Constant Sorrow, which did become a chart-topping hit after the movie came out. And there are people online, and I don't know that I agree with this, but I also don't know how to discount it. But there is the thought that Oh Brother, Where Art Thou brought in the era of Mumford and Sons and that, that whole sort of folksy music that was very vogue for about five years. I don't know that that's true, but it I, has to be included I when we're talking. I can see it, though. Like, I, I can, can see, see, it. see it. Yeah, but it, but it also feels like, really? Like, okay, maybe that was just in, like, every, every few years, we, we go away from electronic music and guitar-based music. We got to find something else. Like, we both remember ska. Mm-hmm. Like ska was a thing in the late nineties. We had so the So does Gwen Stefani. Yeah. That's how she got her start. <laughs> I do love that like she only became the lead singer of the band because the other lead singer left and then like she just hung in for one like re- uh rehearsal and they were like, Wow, you're way better than everybody. Uh and they were like, Maybe we should give you a chance. And then we did the whole uh big band uh zoot suit like the you know, uh, Cherry Papa Daddies and the Zoot Suit Riot, Brian Setzer Orchestra thing for a while. So I, I don't know if Oh Brother Where Out There can be given complete credit for just like natural cycle of music, but I guess it did coincide with a little bit more of the, the bluegrass big band or like 15 people on stage, one, one of who's just playing a triangle and the other guys playing a washboard sort of style, uh, which I love, but also like why are there so many people in your band? Sometimes you just have to tell somebody they can't be in the band. They can't play a washboard. Right. Uh, but that is also constantly mentioned as one of the 
greatest country music movies. I have not seen most of these music or movies. Um, they're all on Prime Video, and you should check them out. And when you're there, sign up for a subscription or at least a trial. So next Monday, you can listen to Brooke on the ACMs. And that is the A-side. And that is the A-side. And, and it is a, it is a, it's in the Minnesota Constitution that if Purple Rain is mentioned, you have to mention Prince. Oh, absolutely. I, one of my favorite jokes, and I don't know if anyone else appreciates this as much as I do, but when I go up to a t- table, when I'm, when I'm serving tables and I, I see that there's one, like, notoriously, there'll be one cheese curd or one chicken wing <laughs> or... And people like no one wants to take the last one. I don't know if it's a it's a Midwest thing, if it's a Minnesota thing, if it's just a human thing, but like nobody wants the person that takes the last piece. So it just sits there forever. And so I'll eventually walk up and I'll be like, well, you know, no one has to eat that because in Minnesota, we always save the last piece for Prince. <laughs> and about half the time, people like nod and giggle. And the other time, people just look at me like I'm crazy, but I'm wearing a mask, so it's okay. So I just take it and walk away. Uh, yeah, fair. All I want to do is clear that plate. And if I can distract you for one second so you don't say no, then I, it's a win. Fair, fair, fair. But yes, this is the A-side, completely dedicated to you subscribing to Prime Video and all of those words. <laughs> uh, or at least for a week. So you can hear Brooke <laughs> next Monday. And... Uh... Please, please, please be nice. Please be nice when you hear me. I mean, these people listen to you every <laughs> week. The only, like, I feel like we have a built-in, like, fan base here. If they're listening to you right now, they're not going to be like, oh, I don't like her voice. I'm like, no, of course I like your voice. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. So that's the ace. I'm just really excited that. The, the, the ACMs are going to get like a hit in Luxembourg. They're not going to understand what's going on. It's us. <laughs> well, the fact that they are <laughs> streaming on Prime Video in the UK is amazing in Canada and Australia. I mean, like, it's, it's, this, is, this is very, very, very exciting. It's All awesome. Right. And <clears throat> I, like I said, I have randomly told people that I'm not supposed to tell because I'm not supposed to tell anybody. For, I've known for like like I don't know, I'm pretty cool. I've known for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Uh, I knew before all of you. I'm just rubbing it in. But I like I randomly told the table, and they're like, "Okay, we don't like country music." And I'm like, "Yeah, but you do now." But you will though. But you're still gonna watch, right? <laughs> you don't oh, want man. that less cheese curd. <laughs> if you want your food piping hot on this table, you will watch. <laughs> You want food? I don't know. It's a good thing I'm not working that night because every TV would be like I would like stream my phone on Prime Video. Uh, I would I would stream my phone to every TV and people would all be like, "Why are we watching the ASM?" I'd be like, "Just be quiet. Listen." <laughs> oh man! All right, so that is the A side. That's the A side. Let's talk about some people killing. All right, but I appreciate you dedicating your entire side to me even though you don't even really watch country movies i don't i don't listen to country music i don't watch country music or of any can actually no uh alicia elliott will always have a soft spot 
in the group because for some reason in 1999 when we went on a road trip in january to a basketball tournament where i was performing as a giant uh bear uh we listened to the alicia elliott uh i'm loving it cd nonstop. and recently one of my friends had mentioned that on twitter and alicia elliott actually liked his tweet from wow. like years ago so it's it's big so I will say I am an Alicia Elliott fan, even though that is a very niche country music reference. That's cool, though, that you got the like. Yeah, I didn't. Well, my buddy got that. Your buddy got the like. That's still that's. Yeah, I was going to say, like, like we're we're, we're all we're all loving it as a group. Everybody is like, yes. Yeah. No, no, immediately went into the group chat. We're all like, this is what we were waiting 20 years for. Nice. All right. Okay. This week, we are going to be talking about Arthur Shawcross, a.k.a. the Genesee River Killer, which is actually close to where I grew up, Adam. He, oh. was, he was active in Rochester, New York, which is not far from Buffalo, New York at all. I mean, it was not close. Rochester and Buffalo, New York? It was like an hour and a half. Yeah, that's not far. I mean, it's not like down the street. It's not like a suburb. Well, true, but that's like Bowling Green to Nashville. I mean, people drive it every day. Yeah, but nobody, nobody would be like, well, this happened in Bowling Green, so it happened in Nashville. Okay, true. True. Down yeah. the road, down the road. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, <laughs> up, up here in the Twin Cities, there's this like whole thing happening right now where if anything happens in a suburb of Minneapolis, the national media says it happened in Minneapolis. And then everyone in Minnesota freaks out about it. It's like, that's not Minneapolis. It was like, yeah, but it is though. It's like 10 minutes away. Yeah. Hour and a half. Totally different. Like if you're, if you're 10 minutes away, if you're a suburb of Minneapolis, then it's in the Minneapolis metro area. So just deal with it. (laughs) All right. So Arthur Shawcross was born June 6th of 1945 in Kittery, Maine, and he was the first of four children born to Arthur Roy Shawcross and Elizabeth Bessie Yurakis Shawcross. It should be reported that uh, Bessie was extremely domineering, the mom. Arthur's family moves to Watertown, New York, when he's really young. So while he's young, several tests determined that his intelligence was to, was below normal. Despite this, Arthur received A's and B's in his first two years of grade school. He was tested again later and had an IQ of 86. So Arthur said throughout his childhood that he was a frequent bedwetter, which is one of the McDonald's triad. Now we've talked about this before. The McDonald triad, also known as the triad of sociopathy or the homicidal triad is a set of three factors in which the presence of any two is supposed to be indicative or predictive of a serial killer, or at least a person who's gonna have some seriously violent tendencies. Those three factors, cruelty to animals, bedwetting, arson. I always forget about the third one, mm-hmm. but it makes sense. Arthur and there's Plank. a fine line between arson and lighting things on fire. <laughs> they, well, it's true. I mean, just because you're good line. at making a fire at, at 
at camp doesn't mean you're a serial killer. <laughs> just you might just like be the like the more horse. Yeah, you, you, everybody likes you then. If <laughs> arsonists just were in, you know, places where the, people could appreciate their fire, then maybe we'd be okay. Arthur later claims in life that his aunt performed oral sex on him for several years, starting at the age of seven. It was during his time in junior high that he claims that he had relations with his sister. His mother threatened to castrate him when she discovered this. He also says that his first homosexual encounter was at the age of 11. And he also experimented with bestiality. So we got a lot going on here. A lot. Yeah, there's... There aren't a lot of boxes left to check. No. In school, Arthur had a reputation as a a bully and he would act out violently quite often. He dropped out of high school at the age of 19 so he dropped out of high school at the age of 19? 19. That's yeah. a lot of people are in high school when they're 19. Yeah. After dropping out of school, Arthur had numerous run-ins with the law. First, he got a probationary sentence in December of 1963 for smashing a shop window. Despite all of his claims from, you know, earlier, like the assaulting the relationship with his sister and, and the... Uh, unfortunate relationship with his aunt his parents like the, the entire parade of red flags yes his parents tell a very different story they say that arthur had a relatively normal childhood stating that his claims were purely as his imagination there is no evidence to support one side or the other arthur though is proven to have changed his story to fit his needs and his whims over time So in 1967, he's drafted into the army. And at the same time that he's drafted in, he has to take an intelligence test and he actually scores above average. So at the same time as he's going into the army, he gets his first divorce. Not only does he give up, uh, get his first divorce, he gives up the rights to his 18 month old son at the time who he never, ever sees again. Arthur... Just saying, wow, that's that's all. Yeah. So Arthur serves one tour of duty in Vietnam where he boasts of these just horrific, grotesque, grotesque uh, combat exploits, such as like, and these are his quotes, beheading mamasans and nailing their heads to trees as a warning to the Viet Cong. In reality, though, he never really saw a combat combat position. After Vietnam, he was allegedly traumatized by his war exploits, even though he really was never in action. So he stationed at Fort Sill in Lawton, Oklahoma as an armorer. This is in 1968. He gets married again. His second wife, her name is Linda, and she gets to see a side of Arthur that's really disturbing. He's got some disturbing behavior, especially she sees his penchant for starting fires. An army psychiatrist told Linda that Arthur derived sexual enjoyment from starting fires. Arthur is discharged from the army and he and Linda move from Oklahoma to Clayton, New York. Linda divorces him soon after moving to Clayton 
and Arthur starts his crime spree. He starts committing arsons and burglary. He gets caught, he gets sentenced, and he gets sentenced to five years at Attica Correctional Facility, and he's later transferred to Auburn Correctional Facility. He serves 22 months of that five-year sentence, and he's granted an early release in October of 1971, partly because he was instrumental in the rescue of a correctional officer during a prison riot. Arthur returns to Waterton and he gets a job with the Watertown uh, Public Works uh, Department and he gets married for a third time. On May 7th of 1972, Arthur rapes and kills his first known victim, a 10 year old boy named Jack Owen Blake. He lures Jack into the woods, into a wooded area in Watertown. Unfortunately, Jack's body is not found until authorities receive a tip by phone on September 5th. So that's months later. Blake disappeared close to his apartment building and he knew Arthur because both he and his brother had gone fishing with Arthur. Due to the fishing trips and the conflicting info that was given to uh, Blake's mom by Arthur, she began to suspect that he was involved with Blake's disappearance. But the police, they really weren't hearing her initially. We've heard that before. So three days before uh, Jake on Blake's body is found on September 2nd, he rapes and kills eight-year-old Karen Ann Hill, who was visiting Watertown with her mom for Labor Day weekend. Her body was found under a bridge uh, a, a, a bridge crossing Black River. Arthur actually fished under that same bridge. So he became a suspect in Karen's murder. Uh, Detective Kubinski persuaded Arthur to confess. He also, at that time, provided information to find Blake's, uh, Jake Owen Blake's body as part of a plea deal. Unfortunately, by the time they found Jake's body, he was severely decomposed. So, of course, you know it's just it's awful a a grand jury indicts arthur for karen ann hill's murder and october 17th he's like i said allowed to plead to a lesser degree of manslaughter and he's sentenced to an indeterminate term with a maximum sentence of 25 years at attica attica again jefferson county district attorney william mccleskey says that the plea he explains the plea by saying that Other than Arthur's confession to the police, there was no direct evidence that linked Jake and Arthur. The district attorney also suggested that Arthur could have argued at trial that he was under extreme emotional disturbance and a jury might have been likely to deliver a verdict of manslaughter. So that's why they made the plea deal. Okay. Yeah. So, So... in November, uh, he's transferred from Attica to Greenhaven Correctional Facility. So he's there for 14 and a half years. And after 14 and a half years, prison staff and social workers who obviously weren't paying attention conclude that he's no longer dangerous. They disregard all warnings of several psychiatrists who had Uh, come in contact and 
evaluated Arthur as a schizoid psychopath. That's a direct, uh, a, a direct uh, diagnosis. Arthur is released on parole in April of 1987, despite, like I said, the protest from a senior parole officer in Binghamton. So Arthur has difficulty settling down in the communities um, because neighbors would find out about him and then they would protest his presence. And when his employers would find out about him, they'd fire him. So he moves in, like I said, he moved to Binghamton, moved into a town in Binghamton. Then he relocates to Delhi, New York with his girlfriend, Rosemary Wally. And then the Delhi residents find out about him and they protest. So then the couple moves to Flesh, uh, Fleshman's, New York, and they found out about him and they protest and, and they're hostile there as well. In late June of 1987, Arthur's parole officer moves him and his girlfriend into a transient hotel called the Cadillac. It's in Rochester, New York, but the parole officer does not notify Rochester authorities of this action. The fact that a child molester and a killer was now in the community. Mm, hello. Not great. In mid-October of 1987, Arthur and uh, his girlfriend found more permanent lodgings at 253 Alexander Street in Rochester. At some point, he breaks up with Rosemary and he marries Clara Neal. So this is what, number four? Jeez. In March of 1988, Arthur begins murdering again. This time, he primarily selects sex workers as his victims. He's captured. He goes on this killing spree for two years before he's captured. He's finally caught and he's finally convicted of 11 murders. There is a 12th murder that he's associated with, but he was never officially charged. His first victim, Dotsie, Dorothy Dotsie Blackburn, her body was found near Genesee River Gorge. He later claimed that he killed her because she bit him during oral sex. We have Anne Marie Steffen, who disappeared July 9th of 1988. She was discovered September 11th of the same year. Dorothy Keeler disappeared July 29th of 1989. She was discovered October 21st of 1989. Patricia Patty Ives, went missing September 29th of 1989, and she was discovered October 27th. June Stott was the only one that was not a sex worker. She was, uh, she was discovered missing October 29th of 1989, and her body was discovered November 23rd. Marie Welch went missing November 5th of 1989, and she was discovered January 5th of 1990. Frances Franny Brown went missing November 11th, and was discovered four days later on the 15th. Kimberly Logan, his only African-American victim, went missing on November 15th and was discovered on November 15th. Elizabeth Liz Gibson went missing November 25th and discovered November 27th. Darlene Trippy was discovered, uh, excuse me, went missing December 15th of 1989 and discovered January 5th of 1990. June Cicero went missing December 17th of 1989 and was discovered January 3rd of 1990. And Felicia Stevens went missing December 28th of 1989 and was discovered December 31st of the same year. All of the victims, except for Liz Gibson, 
were murdered in Monroe County. Liz was murdered in the neighboring Wayne County. So a retired detective, Robert Keppel, he kept arguing that the detectives that were investigating the case were over relying on the concept of MO or modus operandi. You know, that's when the killer has like the same motif or motive every time. Yeah, the same pattern. He's like, no, you guys are, you guys are over, over relying on this method. So on January 5th of 1990, two days after June Cicero's body was discovered by aerial surveillance, police arrest Arthur Shawcross. You see, he'd been spotted by an eyewitness and police surveillance teams standing near a car urinating on a bridge over Salmon Creek where the body of Felicia Stevens had been dumped. Murderers always like to return to their scene, the scene of their crimes. Mm-hmm. In November of 1990, Arthur Shawcross was tried by Monroe County First Assistant District Attorney Charles J. Siragosa for the 10 murders in Monroe County. He pled not guilty. Why? By reason of insanity. Insanity. He even had testimony from a forensic psychiatrist, her name Dorothy Lewis, that he had brain damage, multiple personality disorder, which is now known as dissociative identity disorder, DID. Mm-hmm. And the, she also said that he had post-traumatic stress disorder because he had been uh, abused as a child, sexually abused as a child. This psychiatrist, Dorothy Lewis, also claimed that Arthur Shawcross moved into a separate internal personality named Bessie when he killed. And she argued that he should be institutionalized instead of being put in prison. Arthur, who, as we had talked about, served in Vietnam, he told a lot of crazy stories from his time in the service. But we also know it it didn't happen. Likely not true. Right. FBI criminal profiler Robert K. Ressler reviewed the PTS claims on behalf of the prosecution before the trial. And he wrote, quote, his claim of having witnessed wartime atrocities was patently outrageous and untrue. (laughs) Prosecution psychiatrist, Dr. Park Dietz, and uh, said that Arthur had antisocial personality disorder. Arthur was held at the Sullivan Correctional Facility in Fallsburg, New York. Uh, He was convicted, of course, and he was held at the Sullivan Correctional Facility in Fallsburg, New York until he passed away November 10th of 2008. In 2003, Arthur was interviewed by a British reporter named Catherine English for a documentary all about cannibalism. Because you see, he had bragged about slicing out and eating the vulva of three of his victims. But he refused to discuss that he had made an earlier claim that he had also eaten the genitalia of his very first victim, the 10-year-old, Jake. But when she asked him about this, he wouldn't talk about it. After his death, it was determined that Arthur had a cyst that pressed on his temporal lobe of his brain. He also had scarring on the frontal lobes, which are the areas that are responsible for decision-making and self-control. Officials said on the day of his death that 63-year-old Arthur Shawcross complained of a pain in his leg. It was the afternoon of November 10th, 2008. He was taken to Albany Medical Center where he went into cardiac arrest. He died and was pronounced dead at 9.50 p.m. And that is the story of the Genesee River killer, Arthur Shawcross. 
I got nothing. I was waiting, like, mm, okay. No, I know. I know you still got something to say, but uh, my stomach is upset. I didn't like any of that. So, you know, the thing, none of these are like, oh, it's a killer story. These are great. But there are just some of these stories that hit you in such a different way. Yeah. You're like, this dude, this dude was, this dude was gross. Like this dude was real gross. And, and like the, the consistent, like these guys just must be so charming when they're not killing people. Cause he had what, four wives? Yeah. And a girlfriend. Well, several yeah. girlfriends. Yeah. Like just, there's, I mean, like that dichotomy just messes with me. I don't even know if that's the appropriate word. The, the how can you be one thing can you be so charming over here and be a complete monster as well maybe yeah. like maybe there's a there's a correlation there or something I but i mean know. he just... he did display a little bit of that behavior but like how is it that you can be a serial killer even okay let's just say even if you do display a little bit of this behavior but how is it you can be a serial killer but still be married to people and not kill them like where is your separation line yeah, it's, I mean, there's definitely like a, a mental break somewhere. Yeah. So, but there you have it. And that is the B side. Adam, you know what we got to do. Uh, yeah, we got to talk about the stuff and the things and the places. Exactly. So, all of our sources and photos will be on our website. Mm-hmm. Uh, a side, B side podcast. That's great outside. That was your cue. Yeah. So, that, that, that wasn't just me like agreeing. <laughs> yeah yeah they will yeah uh, like uh, like adam mentioned at the very beginning of the podcast also on the website we'll have links for Ticketmaster. maybe you want to come join the party in vegas that would be amazing mm-hmm. um again prime video if you are not able to make it to vegas completely understand you can still enjoy the 57th academy of country music awards on prime video if you don't have prime video you get a trial for you get a free trial I mean, Brooke's going to be a little disappointed if you're not there, but it's fine. I will. I'll get over it eventually. One day. <laughs> there are several ways you can support the podcast. We've got merch on the website. Again, Adam. A-side, B-side, podcast.square.site. You can also buy us a coffee. It's buymeacoffee.com slash A-side, B-side pod. You can listen on all of your favorite streamers. Tell your friends. Check out all of our socials. Uh, we've got Instagram, we've got Twitter, we've got Facebook. So hit us up on there. Maybe you've got a story. Maybe you've got movies or a TV show uh, for Adam. You've got some true crime stories for me. We would love to hear from you. Or if you just want to pop in and say, hey, uh, thank you guys. Love what you do. Or hey, don't say that anymore. Whatever you want to say, we would love to hear from you. <laughs> all is all is appreciated. Uh, also, if there is a country music movie that you think that I should watch, because... Uh-huh. I haven't watched any of them. Just shoot me a message. <laughs> All right, Adam. Thanks so much. Thank you, Brooks, and congratulations again. Thank you.